Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. My name is Wendy Myers, and you can listen to the video podcast on my YouTube channel or on the corresponding blog post. I'm really sorry I've been away for such a long time. I had surgery. I removed my breast implants um, that I got pretty much at the same time I applied to be a brain surgeon when I was 19. <laughs> Not thinking too clearly at that time. And I unfortunately got some, had some Dow Corning relics uh, placed in my body about uh, 23 years ago to be exact. And uh, went and got a Sonacine breast scan uh, from uh, Dr. Kevin Kelly, who I had on the podcast a while ago. And in that breast scan, um, I just, he told me that I had some silicone leaking in my tissues and in my lymph node which obviously uh, can be very problematic for a lot of women. I mean, there's a Facebook group uh, called Breast Plant Illness uh, that has 17,000 members because a lot of women are negatively impacted by silicone and some of the 40 chemicals that are in breast implants. So for me, um, long overdue to have those removed. Now I'm very, very happy and uh, feeling really good about my decision. I had a great result. I had an amazing plastic surgeon, Dr. David Stoker and Marina Del Rey, and um, just really happy about that. And uh, probably some blog posts to come uh, about my experience and some of the problems with uh, breast plants and po podcasts as well. Um, so today we're going to be talking about protein. I've been wanting to do a podcast about this for a while you know, how much should you be eating? What are some of the problems with protein powder, some of the pitfalls with uh, some of these products that are out on the market today, and uh, why people have problems absorbing protein. And we're also going to talk about uh, some of the problems people have, um, you know, that's preventing them from losing weight. Um, I know a lot of people out there trying to lose weight, eating a lot of protein. Um, but so we're going to talk about some of the issues with protein intake and consumption. Uh, Dr. Warren Wiley of GetWell3.com is joining me to discuss uh, protein. Um, he's dedicated his entire career to helping his patients improve their health through diet, fitness, and health education. Um, but please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Uh, the Live to 110 podcast is for informational purposes only please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in anything that we discuss today on the show. So our guest is Dr. Warren Wiley, Warren Willey. I'm sorry. He's the founder and chief medical officer of Get Well 3. He has spent over 25 years helping people obtain optimal health through nutrition, exercise, and educational programs. He is recognized as one of the groundbreaking weight loss specialists in the United States. He's a board-certified osteopathic physician and did his postgraduate training at the Mayo Clinic. He speaks often to physicians and patients around the country, sharing his insights and methods. He practices medicine in Idaho and has developed a process of training other physicians and healthcare practitioners how to incorporate his methods into their family medical practices. He's an accomplished author and an accomplished athlete. Uh, with the establishment of Get Well 3, you're no longer required to travel to Idaho to capture some of his magic. Uh, they have automated his training and consultation and give you the ability to customize it to your individual needs through webinars, support groups, and online tools. Dr. Willie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. 
Thanks for having me. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background? My background, I've been writing eating and exercise programs for about 35 years, 20 plus years as a physician. And my goal is just to take a a more unique but holistic approach to health and weight loss and building muscle and losing fat because we look at all the different variables involved. We know, you know, as well as anybody out there, that it's not just how much you eat or how much or little you exercise. It's other variables, environmental toxins, genetics, epigenetics, stressors in life, hormonal control and aspect. We look at all those and then help people find an optimal way to health with a great side effect of weight loss. Yes. Yeah. We all want that. <laughs> for yes. sure. That's what we're all looking for. And yes. a big component of weight loss and health is eating proteins, the right kinds of proteins. So let's start with just some basics. Um, how much protein does someone need to eat per day? That's a great question. I would say, and if I can go even back one step farther, Wendy, to talk about when I design a diet, I would say the number one rule is what's the protein the person needs. I calculate that before I calculate their amount of carbs, their amount of fats, their calories. I figure out what is the protein content for this person, their environment they're in, their stresses they're under, their illnesses, their athleticism their exercise amount, we determine protein on a very individual basis. As a general rule, the 0.8 milligrams per kilogram that the RDA suggests is way too low. I do more than that for my chronic renal patients, people with kidney issues. I would say most active, high-stress, type A working people need at least 1.5 to 2 grams per pound of body weight. So I do double, if not triple what the RDA suggests, and I've never had an issue on it. And I've been doing this a long time, but that's the number I, that's the number I calculate first, Wendy, when I help people design an eating program, let's determine your protein content and then we'll fill it in with fat or carbohydrates based on your activity and other needs. That's a lot. I mean, I know, I feel like I do a lot better on a high protein diet. You know, so other people, of course, will also, I mean, I tried to go vegetarian for a couple of years and it just decimated my health, absolutely decimated because you don't quite get the same kinds of proteins from vegetables or complete proteins that you do from meat, from animal protein. So let's talk about what are the best kinds of proteins to eat. Uh, the best kinds are, and if I can focus on that word you just use, eat, I really encourage people to chew their food, not drink it. I think the hormonal response to food is drastically different when you drink food versus eat it. Uh, The best analogy I would take or have is take a a big piece of UVC pipe, pour mud down it, like chew food. It goes slowly, so the hormonal response to that food is slow versus water down it, drinking your protein or your food. It's quick, and so the hormonal response is quick. And the response of hormone to eating is as important as the response itself, or in other words, how quickly hormones respond is as important as how they respond at all. So first rule, eat your protein, don't just drink it. But if you do drink it, there are some options we can talk about here in a minute. I agree with you that your your meat-based protein, so if it walked, crawled, swam, or flew at any one time, it's a protein. And it has other wonderful things in it, vitamins, the B vitamins in particular, has minerals you need. It has other ingredients that we tend to forget about that are very important in our overall health. Yes, I totally agree. I just, I couldn't live without animal protein. (laughs) So, 
So that begs the question of red meat. A lot of people have been told by the American Medical Association, the medical, you know, the Heart Association, um, that they should not be eating red meat. Avoid it at all costs. And I did this for 20 years, I think, as, as a detriment to my health. What is your take on red meat and how much should we be eating? You know, it, that's a good question. I think it goes back to the individuality of medicine, the way it should be. Personalized medicine needs to be practiced, not medicine based on large numbers, right? not even that large numbers of studies that the uh, big pharma would do for us and teach us and dictate our medicine practice. So medicine needs to be very individualized. Diet needs to be very individualized. As a general overview or overlook, if you will, your best protein sources are the ones you like. In other words, you need to eat something that you can store that works with your schedule, something you can keep refrigerated if it is a, an animal-based protein. F- focus on those type of things and then find the textures, flavors, whatnot you like. I think I kind of sidetracked from your question there, but I want to emphasize the point that having an individual designed eating program is so essential. Discussing this with someone, a health professional like you, helping people determine what works for your schedule. Because I think one of the big problems with, if I may be so bold to discuss overall diet programs out there, is they don't address the needs of each person. So a person grabs a book, good diet program, they change their entire life to try to meet this book's suggestions, and it fails. Mm-hmm. So when you approach someone's protein intake even, you have to do it on a very individualized basis. What works for you? What works for your schedule? How can you cook? And if you cook, can you store your food? It's very individualized. Sorry, I got sidetracked, but I had to emphasize that. No, it's okay. And I I totally understand the individualized diet plan, but say someone is uh, just not able to do that or whatever. How often do you think generally people should be eating red meat? The red meat. I know. I'm sorry about yeah. that. I, I get out of these tangents. Woo. Anyway, um, so there's a couple studies that show red meat causes more cancer, more heart disease. They're blaming everything from the uh, 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 from the saturated fats that's involved with it to some of the chemicals uh, like uh, L-carnitine. All these different things are being targeted as bad. I don't. I think it's a big picture again. You cannot focus on one lifestyle choice and say, that's why you have heart disease. That's why you have cancer. That's why you have these issues. It's not just a red meat. It's a fact that you didn't exercise or you're under a high stress job or you smoke or you don't have enough sex with your wife. I don't care what this excuse is, but that's what causes disease states. I don't think it's one thing. But what I think they tried to do, the American Medical Association and whatnot, who you mentioned earlier, in their attempt to help people, we focus on things that they think are modifiable, easy, like, okay, eat less red meat, have less heart disease. But I think that criminalizes red meat Unfair, unfair so because it then points that as a culprit. Now, so what they're doing is they're putting smoking here and then putting red meat right next to it. We encourage you to quit smoking. We encourage you to quit red meat. Well, you forgot to tell me about my stressors and I'm still going to have a heart attack, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't – I think it goes back to the individual thing I got on a, a side note with there was what's the right amount for you if red meat affects you negatively, if you have markers of health that we can follow using biomarkers in an individual's or personalized medicine practice, then I might suggest red meat for certain conditions. 
But in overall, I don't want to criminalize red meat. Yeah. So having it two or three times a week is fine as long as everything else in your diet and eating plan is appropriate. Yeah, within the context of a, a healthy diet and lifestyle. Yes, exactly. Yes, ma'am. And so let's talk about protein shakes because okay. a lot of people like protein shakes, a lot of health-conscious people people that are dieting, just a lot of people in health love their shakes, they're easy, they're quick. Um, but there's a lot of bad ingredients in some mm -hmm. of these protein shakes, very popular ones, very expensive ones even. Let's talk about some of the pros and cons of protein shakes. Excellent. First, like by analogy, using the PVC pipe, when you drink your protein, your hormonal response to it's very different. So insulin spikes immediately when you drink protein. If you're insulin resistant, diabetic, have polycystic ovarian syndrome, or any of these insulin-related concerns, including weight gain, particularly around the belly, you shouldn't be drinking even your protein because the insulin response to it is so rapid, you will gain fat from it, even though it's a healthy protein drink. Well, wait a minute, doc. I thought sugars do that. Well, the body responds to food the same way. It doesn't know that's not a Milky Way. It may be a protein shake, but the hormone response is the same. So we have to adjust for that. Number two, you mentioned a great point. The chemicals involved in processing these proteins are eyebrow razors. For a lot of us that really understand the toxic effect of the environment and the difficulty people have losing fat because of toxins. Remember, fat is the storage site for toxins. And in my world, fat, people that get fat, it may not be maladaptive. It may be adaptive. They're under so much toxin exposure that they're gaining fat to protect the body. And let me give you an example. Why do you think there's so many deaths post bypass surgery a year, two years later? It's because fat disappears and all these toxins are now in the body. Hello, heart attack. Hello, stroke. You know, so maybe we have to start thinking fat as being more adaptive versus maladaptive. And I think the chemicals utilized in protein powders, a lot of them out there, are eyebrow razors. We should really consider that. Now, I don't mean to criminalize those either. I think they have a great place in a lifestyle plan. When I am too busy in my practice to sit down and chew my food like I should, I will drink a protein drink. And the reason I do that, Wendy, is because I know myself. If I miss a couple meals throughout the day, I get home. I push the kids, I kick the dog, and I go right to the fridge. <laughs> I'm ravenous, yeah. right? So I think protein shakes have a great place and a great usage, but I don't think they should be our stable. I think they should be what they were termed to be, and that's a supplement to our diet. Yes, yeah, and I think it's a problematic. I, I have a protein shake every once in a while. I enjoy them, try to get my <laughs> berries and other kind of uh, you know supplements in there. Uh, but every morning... Probably right. not the best idea. Absolutely not. Um, so let's talk about some of the, the three types of proteins and isolates and things that mm -hmm. can be in protein shakes and protein powders and some of the pitfalls with protein powders. Sure. The three basic types are your concentrates. Those are the ones that taste the best. <clears throat> Pardon me. Because they're roughly 80% protein and 20% fat and carbohydrates and chemicals. So they taste good. So if you have a picky palate or you have a kid that refuses to eat protein and just wants uh, Lucky Charms, then 
I'll concentrate your best option because it does taste better. But you have to be aware of the sugars involved. You have to be aware of the extra calories because of the fat involved. You have to be aware of the other things involved in that. Then your hydrosylates and your isolates are a higher percentage of protein, but they're chemically treated to be that way. So they have more of a bitter taste. And so if you have someone that doesn't like protein powder, they've probably tried an isolate or a hydrosylate. And the chemicals utilized to do that our eyebrow razors for some of us in the world of uh, that understand the importance of looking at environmental toxins and what crosses our lips and how it's affecting our hormonal uh, cascade and system. So those, I think, are great for protein sources, but I think we better be wise again, once again, when we use them. Use them as supplements. <clears throat> Maybe use them post-workout because you want a quick hormonal response after you exercise to help preserve muscle mass, burn more fat, etc. But again, like you said, I don't think they should be a daily part of your daily regimen. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's talk about whey protein. Uh, whey protein, very, very popular. Um, what types of whey protein are best and any you know cons with whey protein? Whey, uh, I think it's important to people know. Everyone remembers the old nursery rhyme, Little Miss Muffet sat on her tuffet eating her curds and whey. So what dairy producers do, and I remember, I'm old enough, you're not, but I'm old enough to remember in my northern Colorado town where I grew up, the dairy farmers would get the milk and they'd slough the curds and whey right off the top and throw it away. Do you know how much that stuff is worth now? Oh my goodness. Anyway, (laughs) I wish I had foresight and and went out and bought some. But anyway, so that's what whey is. It's the top part of milk. There's roughly four different whey proteins involved in whey. And those whey proteins, people can have allergic responses to them. So there's actually ways for us to test each one. But it is a milk-based protein. So if you're lactose intolerant, that's intolerance to the sugar in milk. Ways of protein. So you may have an intolerance or an allergy, if you will, to one of the whey proteins, which we can test for, believe it or not, and have it removed even. But whey is the curds and whey off milk. So that's your primary whey protein. The benefit of whey protein is it has a lot of glutamine, which is probably a very – it's a, what we call a semi-essential amino acid. But I, I would say in today's world of high stress – high living, little sleep, tons of exercise. It is more of an essential protein. Whey protein also has all your branch chain amino acids. Those are very, very important amino acids that our body can't make. And that's one of the, the two of the benefits of whey uh, are the high amount of glutamine and the branch chain amino acids in that. I hope that answered your question. Yes, yes. It's very, very illuminating. Um, so what are the, the best uh, protein supplements in your opinion? Like if you had to choose, we know meat is the best, you know, actual meat. Uh, but after that, what kind of supplements do you prefer for protein? I would go with the whey casein mix. Casein is also uh, a, a milk protein, but it has a very unique feature, Wendy. When you drink casein protein, it tends to ball up in the stomach. Stomach acid tends to grab it and it balls up. So it actually sits there in your belly and is slowly absorbed, whereas whey, right through you. Hmm. So getting a whey casein mix allows longer satiety. You feel full longer. Great studies on using it post-workout for the quick insulin surge to build your muscle, burn your fat, etc., but also to have nutrients over time with that. So that is my favorite protein supplement is a whey casein mix. Yeah, that's really interesting. So uh, one thing I like to do is when I do have a protein shake, 
is add some collagen protein powder to it because I think a lot of people are missing um, key key elements that are only found in collagen and uh, key pr- amino acids that are only found in collagen. Um, mm-hmm. And I need them for my ligaments. I'm just very loosey goosey. I need the 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 proteins, amino acids, and collagen to help you know firm everything up. So, uh, what are your thoughts on collagen protein? I think it's a great protein source. It's a little more expensive than some of the others out there. Uh, I have no problem with it. It's something I would focus more on just your overall diet and looking. We can test, and Wendy, I do this daily in my practice. We look at amino acid profiles, both in serum and urine, and we look at micronutrient testing. So I can run a profile on you and look at which amino acids you're deficient in, and then I know how to either supplement you or which foods to point you to. So that is, again, back to that personalized medicine approach, that is my favorite way to do it. So I have a distinct advantage because I have a medical license. I can do that. As a general rule, I think collagen protein is a great option. It's just my only hesitancy with that one would be cost compared to some of the others. I think it's interesting that you mentioned testing because I do organic acids testing and every single client is low in their amino acids. Uh, Mm -hmm. People today, for some reason, they're not absorbing amino acids in their diet can you explain some of the, the, the issues, like the underlying causes of why they're not absorbing amino acids? Because so many of my listeners are eating paleo, they're doing protein shakes, or eating protein, 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 um, but they're not absorbing it. Why? Yep. Oh, a couple. Great, great question. I love it. So we go, let's go, let's follow protein all the way. Well, okay, not all the way through. It would change the rating of your program if I did that. <laughs> so let's start at the top. We chew our protein. The primary enzyme in your mouth is amylase, which breaks down carbs. So we really don't break down any protein in our mouth other than with our teeth. We swallow. It goes down our gullet into our belly. Our stomach acid starts breaking it down further into constituents of the amino acids. So problem number one is low acid. All the drugs out there, omiprazole, Nexium, Axid, all these low acid drugs are causing people not to absorb because you cannot break down that protein to its constituent amino acids without that acid in your stomach. And Wendy, I rarely meet a new patient in my practice who is not on one of those. So there's our first problem. Number two, related to that, so I'll say 1.5 is the fact that a lot of people with reflux and indigestion are told they have high acid when actually it's low acid is the problem. Okay, so they naturally not producing enough acid. So our first issue, one and one point five, is there. Number two, pancreatic enzymes are depleted because of our terrible eating habits, because of toxins, because we have high insulin resistance, and we are our part of our pancreas that's pumping out insulin is working overtime, and for some reason, through mechanisms not really understood, our exocrine system. So the endocrine system in the pancreas produces insulin. The exocrine system produces all your your enzymes to break food down farther. Well, peptidase, which is protein broken down uh, or enzyme that breaks down protein, is just not sufficient in people. And neither is lipase. We see a lot of fat malabsorptions. Okay, so we have an issue there too. There's number two. As we go farther down into the gut, part of the biogeome or the gut bacteria that we're also very, very – prominent in medical literature right now and in just lay literature, how important gut bacteria is, is awful. The continuous use of antibiotics the, in our foods, 
Every time we sneeze and cough, people go to their doctor and get an antibiotic. Yadi, I won't go into that. But so we've ruined the gut bacteria that's important for absorbing the protein. So you put all those together, Wendy, and you have people not absorbing what they should. Mm-hmm. And fat fat goes right along with it. Mm-hmm. And fats are very, very, very fat is and protein are essential nutrients, Wendy. Carbohydrates are not. You can live without carbohydrates. People through the history of the world have done that, but you cannot live without fat and protein. But you nailed it. Most of my clients, too, don't absorb it until I fix them. Yeah, and I want to add one more underlying cause I think a lot of people don't know about, just for the benefit of the listeners. My specialization is detoxification. And what I'm finding is a lot of my clients are toxic in trivalent metals, arsenic, aluminum, tin, and thallium. Thallium is a gasoline additive. We're breathing it in the air. These reduce your mitochondria's ability to produce energy. And the amino acid transport proteins in the gut require energy for proteins to be absorbed. So that's another reason just low energy levels, especially when someone's chronically fatigued or has you know really bad adrenal fatigue, they're also not able to absorb pro- proteins and amino acids simply because of low energy levels. Yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. see, you got much more technical than me. I didn't want to do that to you, but thank you because now you opened the door for me. No, I'm just teasing. No, you're exactly right, girl. I mean, you nailed it. That is exactly one of the causes. Yes. And so um, another question a lot of people have, especially in the paleo community, everyone's noshing on steaks all day long. Can you eat too much protein? You know, our bodies are pretty smart. I think when you do, you just have expensive bathroom breaks. I think your body utilizes what it needs. Um, and then there's an energy basis to it too. Uh, I think calories so are not, calories are given credit and or blame for weight gain, weight loss. I don't, I think there's a lot more to it, but I think that's part of it. I think calorie wise protein is the most efficient macronutrient to eat because our body, you know, your biceps you have this week, Wendy, are not the same biceps you had last week. So the process of protein degradation in your biceps and protein repair and building up is an energy requiring process. So eating protein actually is more caloric expensive than eating fat or carbohydrates. So eating too much protein, I I wouldn't say too much until we get into where the calories start becoming more important, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Back to again, the individualization of your eating plan. What's too much? I would say if you're bloated, you're having a problem with bowel movements, you haven't addressed the issues of toxins, your gut enzymes, your gut bacteria, then yeah, in those situations, you can eat too much protein. And can if you eat too much protein, can your body then convert that into sugars, which then can then cause weight gain? Yeah, there's a term which you're very familiar with called gluconeogenesis. Gluco means glucose or sugar. Neo, new, genesis, production of something. And so, yes, your body will take protein, particularly glutamine, that's the liver's favorite source, and turn it into sugar and then utilize it as such and then store it as such too. And so that's where we get into is there too much for this individual? Are they uh, – it's called partitioning. The body's using what it's given. Well, it needs it in this source, so I'm going to change it into a source I need it to feed the brain, feed the red blood cells, and the other things that need sugar to survive. Yeah, so, yeah. and yeah, I was actually going to have a protein shake after this podcast. <laughs> I think I'm going to skip it. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, hmm, I'm craving it. Um, so your specialization is weight loss. And you have a weight loss program on your website. 
why don't we talk about um, something that frustrates a lot of women, certainly frustrated myself at one time, is when women or, or men are eating a, an amazing diet, lots of meat, lots of protein, uh, vegetables, I mean, and they're exercising three, four, or five days a week, and they're still not losing weight, what is going on? It, to me, I could sum it up. It's a hormonal response. It's it's not a calorie thing. I think most people are aware you can't exercise off your fat and you can't undereat your fat. Your body's too smart for that. The hormonal response of high exercise and low calories is high cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. Cortisol is a great belly fat producer. High cortisol levels cause our belly fat. High insulin levels cause our belly fat. And so your eating is not just how much you burn, how much you take in, but what's the hormonal response to these foods. So what we look at, we look at all the hormones in the body from the neurotransmitters in the brain to the pituitary hormones, the thyroid hormones, the adrenal hormones, the sex hormones, and the fat hormones. Remember, fat isn't just a storage site for Twinkies. Fat is a metabolically active hormonal producing organ that incredible effect on the body with leptin, adiponectin, working in concert with insulin and cortisol. All these things take to place. So what we do, we teach people how to eat based on their hormonal response to food. So based on their starting point, if they have insulin resistant or any of the insulin resistant issues such as PCOS or or, uh, hypertension, diabetes, whatever, we help them understand the hormonal response to that. So part of the secret to our long-term success is when you understand how to eat hormonally, then I can take calories out of the picture. I can say, Wendy, I want you to focus on these foods, but I don't want you to worry about how much. Eat until you're full, until you're comfortable. If you're exercising at this level, more times than not, Wendy, this may surprise you, but I cut back on people's exercise. I don't increase it. Because exercise is an extreme stress to the body. It raises cortisol. And that can be very detrimental for some people. So by cutting back on their exercise, giving them adequate amounts, but eating hormonally correct, now they lose the weight. And not only that, they lose the right weight. They maintain muscle mass. They lose the fat mass. Yeah, But it's a hormonal issue. Yeah, as I've gotten older, I've definitely focused on st- like exercise that's not stressful walking, Pilates, weightlifting, not doing that high intensity cardio, maybe occasionally just to, you know, give the body a little bit of a push. Um, but some of these, some of my clients are coming to me five days a week doing CrossFit or running. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's, it seems like you're burning calories, but it's, it's very, very stressful. Absolutely. You know, the classic look of those people, Wendy, just to give you a phenotype, they're emaciated here, they're thin here, but they still have their big bottoms. They still have their waists and issues. Those are your over-exercisers. Mm-hmm. They're over-exercising cortisol through the roof if you do testing. Insulin's way too low. Remember, most things in life are on a bell-shaped curve. Too little pizza, I'm not happy. Too much pizza, I'm not happy. I have a right amount of pizza I can eat every week, right? Well, the hormones are the same way. You have a balance there. And so over-exercising is a very, very common cause of weight, inability to lose weight and weight gain. And we know that. Let's all look to the first of the year. Look how crowded your gym was January, February, maybe March into April. And then they all disappeared. Why? Because that didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And so can you tell us any more kind of tips and tricks for a weight loss that you use in your clinic? 
Absolutely. Um, we do all full hormonal panels on everybody. We review stressors and toxins in the environment. So I get a detailed work history, uh, uh, history as they grew up, where they grew up. Do they grow up in farm world? Do I have to worry about organophosphates? Do they grow up in the city? So I have to worry about the heavy metals and the metals and, and uh, toxins you talked about, understanding their role and everything going on. We look for nutrient deficiencies and we try to balance it all out with a hormonally proper eating plan plan, utilizing proper supplements to help the body detox, to get their pH where it should be, really balance the body out, maybe replace some hormones, replace their thyroid for a while. Because a lot of people with weight issues, especially if leptin's high, so you have a lot of belly fat, you're insulin resistant. If you're insulin resistant, you're leptin resistant. If you're leptin resistant, your thyroid's not working. I don't care what your doctor says. It's not TSH we follow. We follow T3 free free T3 and reverse T3. And that ratio I use, so I'll put people on thyroid medication that have normal TSHs to give them a boost, to give them a start there. So balancing those hormones is absolutely essential to long-term proper weight loss. As far as what you can do, exercise appropriately, like you so wisely mentioned, Pilates, go for walks, weightlifting, resistance training is a secret. If I can sidetrack just a little cardio respiratory activity via Kenneth Cooper out of Dallas back in the 60s, really got all the credit for weight, for cardiovascular help and whatnot. But I think the tide has completely shifted to where we understand that resistance training is the secret to weight loss. Resistance training is the secret to preventing cardiac disease. So adding a resistance training program in your lifestyle is absolutely essential if you have those goals. Not running on the treadmill for 45 minutes every day. That's not going to do it. That's too stressful. Your body's going to hold the weight. As far as eating, get eat. try to eat organic. Try to eat clean. My favorite diet is, I can sum up in one sentence, if God made it, eat it. If man made it, don't. Mm-hmm. Simple. That's it. So eat that way. Don't worry about counting calories. Don't worry so much about your amounts, but focus on these hormonally important foods, be active or inactive, eat at the right time of day for your schedule, make sure you're sleeping well, and you will succeed. It sounds like a lot, but really if you break down each one, it's simple. And what we do in our uh, with our patient clientele is we have them pick one or two of those to start with. Mrs. Jones, my goal for you purely is to teach your body how to sleep. And you and I aren't going to worry about diet or exercise for the next month. We're going to get you sleeping, and then we'll go to our next step. And when you do it like that, Wendy, I have a very high success rate. Yeah, I, I have a few clients that they tell me they're working out five days a week, and they wake up at 4.30 a.m. to go get their workout in so they can lose weight. I'm like, you'd be better off just sleeping in and skipping the workout. Yes. You know, <laughs> It's so true. Yeah. It's such a balancing yeah, and so let's talk about toxins that prevent weight loss because uh, I know uh, for many people that are doing everything right, the, the last piece of the puzzle is toxins in mm-hmm. preventing weight loss. Can you talk a little about that? I think there's so many I, your audience would shut you off and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So I'll start with the real important ones. And unfortunately, you see me doing a big no-no. Yeah. Plastic. Yeah. Plastic people. I'm doing glass. I'm doing it right. Good. I'm going to (laughs) blame my business partner over here who handed this to me. He's laughing right now saying, ha ha, you're going to grow boobs now because of all the xenoestrogens in this. Yeah. So this is one of your big ones there, Wendy. The BPAs and BPBs. And remember, that's very important. This is a big, this is a pet peeve of mine. It may say BPA free, 
but it has BPB in it, which is the same thing. Yeah. Right. It's one of those slip under the radar of the FDA type thing. Yeah. So drinking from plastic, cooking in plastic, microwaving plastic. Oh my heavens! Don't do that. Yeah. That's chemical castration. That's why we see so much low testosterone in men today. Is everyone's microwaving their pra- uh, uh, plastics? At one of many examples. So plastics. Try to avoid. Stick with glass, ceramic, and whatnot. Heavy metals. Huge. Uh, arsenic's our top heavy metal problem in the country. And uh, uh, mercury, I see all the time. And not just with people that have amalgams in, but just the exposures from the environment. The, the, uh, the uh, persistent uh, organophosphates that we see in my area, I live in southeast Idaho, so I mean, we are just inundated with organophosphates every spring and fall as the farmers spray. Those affect your ability to lose weight. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I think that's why it's so important to assess your living area. Assess, am I sitting in the car driving to work for two hours every day, breathing the toxins? I need to go have those tested. And if they're high, I need to be chelated, get it fixed, and then figure out something else to do, or at least make sure the rest of my health is good, make sure I'm methylating properly, make sure my vitamin and mineral count's appropriate so my body can handle those toxins. Because I can't really quit my job when I'm driving two hours into LA every day, but I can help my body adjust or deal with those toxins. And I think that's one place that's very important for people to start is understand what toxins are in your exposure radius. How do you optimize your health to prevent those toxins from being or having an effect on you is a great place to start. I know for me, when I was uh, when I was having trouble losing weight, um, I was arsenic toxic, very arsenic toxic. And arsenic poisons enzymes that transport triglycerides out of your fat cells. Yep. So that's another thing, one of many things that can prevent weight loss for some people. And it's in everything. It's in you know conventional chickens and eggs and rice and your water and just a lot of different places we pick it up. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, that's why I mentioned that one. That's a mean one. And oh. rice, rice protein powders, even if they're yes. organic, even if they're very expensive, very, very high in arsenic. Very high. Yeah. And it's an easy test for most docs to do. Um, I would suggest a provocative test. So find a, a, a functional medicine specialist that knows how to stimulate those chemicals to come out so we can see them over a 24-hour urine catch. And then I can tell you how to get rid of them. And then we find the source. And again, back to that thing. Then we help your body optimize so you can clear them when you're exposed. I can't take all the arsenic out of the rice, but if I eat some at my favorite sushi restaurant, I know my body can get rid of it without problems because my overall health is where it should be. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have a question I'd like to ask all of my guests. What do you think is the most pressing health issue in the world today? Oh, how long do we got? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, because of my background and what I do, I would say it starts between the ears, mental health issues. Um, follow closely, if not uh, in parallel with obesity issues, uh, because I think the whole process, I think, again, obesity, uh, let, me, let me back up a little. Let me start with the mental health issues. I think mental health is so important because everyone I know is stressed. Everyone's trying to be like the Joneses. Everyone's trying to make more and do more. 
everyone's on their phone or their iPad 24-7. So they're getting the intensity of the sun in their eyeballs. They're not sleeping. So mental health, I think, has got to be addressed in everybody with health issues. You have to understand the neurotransmitter response to your lifestyle and help balance those. Obesity, I tell some of my very large patients, I'd say, hey, you know, let's, let's consider your fat a blessing. It's a warning. If you think about most men that walk into the emergency room with acute myocardial infarction or heart attack are lean, thin, and healthy. I mean, look how many – I mean, and have normal cholesterol levels. There's more to it than just that. So if you look at obesity and all the uh, problems associated with it, it's not just in people with fat issues. It's in people with bad lifestyles. I don't care if you didn't get fat from your lifestyle. You still have the same issues going on. And I think those all start at the liver. Non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is what starts all this process forward. So if I was to break it down for you, I'd say mental health and then liver health. I'd go, those two are my top. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more you know, about yourself, your programs, where they can find you? Oh, you bet. We have a website called GetWell3, G-E-T-W-E-L-L, the number three dot com. And it's it's a portal into information like we've been talking about. We have hundreds of short little 30 to six minute videos on everything we just talked about, Wendy. It's kind of funny. It's, it's really everything we talked about it. So they can start to understand this at a di- different level. There's places for them to get on there and get health coaches online. The p- people that have worked for me for years that sit one-on-one with people. We have uh, combined experience. I can't even tell you how many years worth of combined experience we have. These people that understand those very things we just talked about, they understand the mental health aspect of it. They understand the stress aspect. They understand the liver involvement. And so they're there as health coaches for people. And then they ha- the site has a place for you to understand your hormones with hormonal questionnaires. And then we direct people to providers in their area that understand hormones and they can help them optimize them so they can start on that weight loss path. And then we even have places for designing your own hormonally responsible menu. Based on your questionnaires, you can go in and write your own menus with foods you enjoy. It'll tell you if you if you pick a Twinkie, it's going to pop up with a sign and say, hey, I don't know if that's hormonally responsible for your particular situation. So it it's a an evolution. It's a, it's a teaching process for people that understand it. And then there's a bunch of recipes on there that tie into what menus people design. And again, it's just really a support system. It's a unique, there's thousands of weight loss websites out there, but ours is unique because we take a look at everything you and I just talked about. We understand the bigger picture. We help people on a level where they can do it themselves without having to take drugs, without having to go visit the bariatric surgeon, really take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And we have a coupon code. My partner just handed this to me. It's getwell3.com backslash live2110. So L-I-V-E-T-O-1-1-0. Right. That's a free coupon code. You can download a book I have on there called The Calorie Myth. It's just a 20-page little white paper that talks about calories aren't the answer. You have to understand your hormonal health and everything we just talked about. And that's a place for your users to go on and get some free stuff and whatnot. Great. Thank you so much for offering that. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you so much. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us on the Live to 110 podcast. You can learn more about me at mineralpower.com and live to 110.com. 
Mineral Power is my healing and detox program where I help shed your body of all the toxic metals and chemicals, etc., that are an underlying cause of so many health issues, including weight loss issues, etc. It's what I use to heal my health, and you know, I definitely highly recommend it. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast. Thanks, Mindy.